Welcome to the VIP Jazzwell Report, the report that asks insightful questions and gets revealing answers from people who confront dilemmas and challenges which go beyond the ordinary. As always, before we begin, let me ask you this. Were you brought up to believe that if someone helps you, then you should help them back? In that case, should we as a society reward patriotism or should we choose to ignore it? And ultimately, do we leave our patriots at the mercy of their captors? Today we discuss the plight of Dr. Shaquille Afridi, the Pakistani doctor who helped America find Osama bin Laden and in turn has been sentenced to 33 years in prison for helping America in the war against terror. Our guest on the show is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a patriot and now a freedom activist. For Dr. Afridi, his name is Bob Losh. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you, Vip. Glad to be here. Bob, you've got quite a list of achievements, and I was not quite able to give you the credit you deserve because you've got too many to mention. So for me, the most significant award was the one where the city of Los Angeles honored your charitable work by creating a Bob Losh Day. How'd you get that award? Because I'd love to have a Vip Jazzwell Day. Actually, it started um, many years ago when I was in the advertising business, mm-hmm. and I had a client by the name of Vandy Camp Bakeries. And I recruited about 30 actors and dressed them up in windmill cookie suits, which was the logo of Andy Camps, and sent them into the city council to sing, Thank you, L.A., for all the support that you show the business community. <clears throat> As a result of that, they said anybody who can send people in cookie suits into a council chamber obviously is something to give Los Angeles. And I went from there to heading earthquake preparedness, disaster preparedness, and a whole bunch of other philanthropic programs that directly had impact on both financial expenses for the city and creating awareness in how to live in the city safely and security, starting at school-age kids. And it resulted in Bob Lorsch Day. Oh, excellent. Well, on a more serious note, you've taken your charitable work one step further to what I would call patriotic philanthropy. Uh, You've set up a campaign to free the Pakistani doctor who helped the CIA catch Osama bin Laden. Give our listeners a brief background to this whole situation. My primary business is personal health records with a company by the name of MMR Global, publicly traded company. Mm -hmm. And I was in Washington, D.C., meeting with oversight committee members in Congress regarding uh, concerns that I have about the way stimulus money is being used as regards making sure that the public, people in general, have access to their medical records. And while there, and being concerned about the public and people in general, I happened to be called into a conversation to meet someone who was discussing Dr. Afridi. And when it first came up, I didn't know what a Dr. Afridi was. I was not familiar with the story. And as I learned, this is the doctor who was doing the hepatitis B vaccinations, and he was profiled in Zero Dark Thirty, and but for him, we would not have probably pinpointed the location of Osama bin Laden, the world's most greatest feared terrorist of our time, and we may not have captured and killed him. And when I learned about Dr. Afridi, I learned that as a result of that, America left him behind. He's sitting in a Pakistani prison under a 33-year sentence for treason, and nobody is doing anything really active or proactive to get this man out. And I was so moved that this country would abandon the guy, ignore the guy that was responsible for saving thousands of lives around the world by identifying this world's most 
feared terrorist, bin Laden, that I said something had to be done. It was close to Valentine's Day. I went to my wife, Kira. I said, we have to do something about this issue. And her Valentine's card was a full-page ad in The Hollywood Reporter calling to action the entertainment community to get behind the release of Dr. Afridi. And that has evolved into the current freeafridi.com collection of people that really want to work to get Dr. Afridi out of prison. But why are you taking such an active interest? I mean, what's your motive? It's the right thing to do. I've gone through life, and I believe two things. Uh, the simple version and the version that's in most of my speeches is the more you put out in the universe, the more you get back. Right. But in reality, if you ignore injustice, you just attract injustice to yourself. And this is a man who gave his life for the United States government, who had promised him that prior to the attack on the bin Laden compound, he would be brought back to the United States, a CIA operative, one of our own. And when bin Laden was killed and the Afridi family went to the State Department the day earlier to pick up their travel documents to come to the United States, the State Department had essentially messed up and not prepared Dr. Afridi's wife's travel documents. So when he went, he had his documents, his kids' documents, other family members' documents. He could have gotten out. But the man, who obviously has a tremendous amount of integrity, was not going to leave his wife behind to be captured for what he did. And he stayed. And as a result, he was arrested, convicted for treason, sentenced to 33 years, and is literally rotting in a Pakistani dungeon cell, some remote region somewhere being beaten and tortured on a regular basis, starved for months at a time, not allowed to change his clothes more than once every three, four months. Disgusting, humiliating situation, and people don't know about it. And now as a result of our efforts, a lot more people are learning about it. Well, talking about awareness, I mean, a lot of your celebrity, uh, the industry within um, Hollywood know about it because of the ad. But do you think maybe a lobbying effort might have been better? You know, lobbying efforts are very, very difficult. First of all, they cost a lot of money, and um, they have to be done in such a way where it's more like a business strategy. Mm -hmm. The strategy that I have decided to invoke with Kira is a humanitarian strategy, a strategy that comes from the heart. When I learned about Dr. Afridi, I always know if something means something to me by the way the hairs stand up on the back of my head. And for those of you who know me, or for those who know me, I don't have a lot of hairs on top of my head. So when they stand up on the back of my head, it's a really good sign. <laughs> and that means that something has touched my heart. Right. And, and so going the traditional way of lobbying and spending a year – uh, and hundreds of thousands of dollars knocking on doors of people uh, and prescribed mechanisms that really are somewhat controversial doesn't seem to break through the clutter. However, when you take a full-page ad in The Hollywood Reporter and you say, Oscar, free of free, and you hand out ribbons on the red carpet and you approach every single star of every single film that's receiving an award that day in front of the biggest television audience in the world, in front of an audience that the Pakistani people or the ISI, the police in Pakistan, despise because of what Hollywood stands for. Then you send a message. 
And that ad sent a message, a shockwave around the world. And when Jessica Chastain and her co-stars stood on the red carpet and said, we're not political, but they recognized the fact that but for a Dr. Afridi, there would have been no Zero Dark Thirty. But for Dr. Afridi, you know, Dr. Afridi, there there would have been, who knows what state America would be in. Who knows whether the awards would have been safe. So somebody needs to write the script, Argo 2, where a team of Hollywood people go in and free Dr. Afridi. Because the federal government and doesn't seem to want to do it at this time. Well, is the government, in your opinion, showing an active interest in this issue? There was a House Foreign Relations Committee meeting about a month ago where Congressional Representative from California, Dana Rohrabacher, confronted Secretary Kerry directly and said, why are we giving billions of dollars to these people who will not free a man that rid the world of one of the worst human beings in the world? And told the State Department and told the Secretary that he should be disgusted about the fact that while we're sending $2 billion a year in military aid plus countless billions more, you know, Dr. Freedy sits in a cell. And to the State Department's credit and to the Secretary's credit, he went to Brussels a week, two weeks later, mm -hmm. and he confronted the Pakistani government. And he told them that we wanted America's interest needed to see Dr. Afridi get released. And I believe that as a result of that, there has been movement at the highest levels right. between the United States and Pakistan. But as yet, nothing definitive. And by the way, that video of Rohrabacher grilling Kerry mm -hmm. can be seen on freeafridi.com right on the homepage if, anybody, if any of your listeners are interested. Well, you know, this whole situation seems to be a bit of a disaster and moving at snail's pace because, I don't know, um, let's make it simple. We should have brought him here safely, given him a green card, a job, made him a national hero, and that actually might have inspired citizens of other repressed regimes to help in the war against terror. In fact, we would have had loyalists on the ground in, in addition to our soldiers. And, you know, their incentive would have been to help catch these terrorists in return for a piece of the American dream. But now who's going to help? Well, that's a really good question, particularly in the face of Benghazi. But going backwards and commenting first on your comment about green card, had that been anybody else who turned in Osama bin Laden, yeah. they would have gotten a $10 million reward. All this man wanted to do is get what was promised to him by the State Department and apparently his employers, which was asylum in the United States, moved to the United States, and they couldn't even move heaven and earth to get a travel document for this guy's wife or to get her smuggled out while the family had their travel documents. So uh, it, it does send a message to anybody who's thinking about helping America that if they get caught or they get into harm's way, what will happen? But the second part, and what really kind of underscores and, and gives a lot of credibility to your comment about who will help, look at Benghazi. I mean, what happened in Benghazi is just the next chapter of what's happening to Dr. Afridi. People were under siege. They were being attacked. People were being killed. People were being captured. The horrible state of affairs. And what did the government do? They pulled out the Argo spin machine, and they basically told the military to stand down. 
There's a Republican congressman from Illinois who was on Meet the Press Sunday, and he said that when he was a pilot, he was told that the government, the United States government, will move heaven and earth to protect and release and get their own out of harm's way. And his quote was, this government has moved anything but heaven and earth. Well, and a, that is a shame. There's a beautiful irony in this whole situation because this is almost like a script for a movie. Um, and here's the irony is that we have someone of Jewish heritage, such as yourself, helping someone of Muslim heritage out in Pakistan. And here's the second irony. Why are or why is the Pakistani community in the USA not helping you? Isn't that ironic? With regard to my faith and my religion, mm -hmm. um, I look at Dr. Afridi as an American hero, a man who risked his life knowing what he was doing, collecting DNA samples in order to identify Osama bin Laden, the, the worst terrorist of our time, right. the worst person in the world. Well, that's what he makes you what the he great man you he, are. He did that because he cared not about Muslims or about Jews or about Christians or about blacks or Indians or whites or Pakistanians. He cared about humanity. And, and my religion has nothing to do with how I feel about what that man did. No, absolutely not. But it's from the outside. It's just a beautiful picture to see. You know, well, I appreciate that. But it, it never even went into, it never even crossed my mind uh, that, you know, anybody would look at this and say, why would somebody of Jewish faith help somebody of Muslim faith? I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're all one faith. We may have different belief systems. We may have different gods that we, that we worship, or we may have different Bibles or Torahs or whatever we want to look at to give our daily guidance in life. But we share a planet, and if we're not going to take, out, if we're not going to take care of the people who take care of us, then we, then we are not worthy of living on this planet. Okay, which and, leads me to the next question. Why is the Pakistani community in America not out there supporting you in as much of a way as you are uh, supporting the issue? That's a really good question because I've talked to a lot of people in the Pakistani community. Mm -hmm. When we first launched this website, uh, we received thousands of people signing up, emailing. And we've got email addresses from the CIA, from the military, from the ISI in Pakistan, from from the CIA. I mean, because people just sign up and, and they're using their addresses, CIA.gov or whatever, which I thought was kind of strange. But the, in the case of Pakistani, one organization out of New York contacted me and said, we want to get behind this. We're going to call the Pakistani embassy. We're going to have you speak at some Pakistani community events. We want you to get involved in some polo matches. We want you to get involved in some events we're doing. We want to, we're going to go out and we're going to tell everybody on our mailing list to support you. Mm -hmm. And I spent hours with these people. I talked to their public relations people, and they just vanished. Nothing happened. And when I began to peel away the onion and dig down and find out what was really going on, most of these people have family members that live in Pakistan. And the retribution against Americans who say something negative or support anything adverse to Pakistan is overwhelming. The, the military will come into their homes, confiscate their property, interrogate, torture family members. You know what? You know what? Um, it's a horrible Rob, state. Rob, they I, think, knew, they, I think these people 
but just simply scared. They knew about this before they approached you. They knew about this before they approached you. So, I don't know. I mean, they're probably trying to use your status, uh, your wealth, or seeing where they can take this association further. But they, this, this situation existed before they contacted you. No question about I guess it. when they saw you and they saw how focused you were and, and, and pure of intent, that you were just focused on rescuing this man, they suddenly realized maybe there's nothing else in it for them. That's what I'm guessing, because the ISI existed before they met you. Uh, the fear of retribution existed before they met you. So what happened now? Well, in one case, and uh, the people I spoke with are lovely people, and, and I believe they care. But in one case, um, I don't know if you're psychic or, you know, the, the hand of God just is working overtime here on this call. But, yes, I spent a lot of time with these people, and they said, can you help us get celebrities to a fundraising event for our community based on who you know in Los Angeles? Yes, that Ka-ching. was the request. There and I go. said, yes, I'd be more than happy to help. But mm-hmm. right now... The issue du jour is Dr. Afridi. And if you really want to do something positive for your community, let's focus on getting as many voices heard as we can for Dr. Afridi. And this is a country that we have given between 2002 and 2010. We've given $18 billion in U.S. Oh, probably, aid. probably more than that. I mean, there's, there's money going for all kinds of things that we don't even know about. How much money do we spend if we did on this recent election to get the people we want in power in power? Who knows? And the number of times we've seen burning U.S. flags, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's absolutely crazy. It is. It is. This is a country that is embarrassed by the fact that bin Laden was living under their nose, paying what is estimated to be $7 million a week in bribe money to officials in the government to live safely in Pakistan while that man plotted to kill Americans, Pakistanians, Indians, Asians, all over the world. Any race you can think of, that was the agenda. Let's go kill people was his agenda. And that man was basically getting a a $28 million a month rental payment to that individuals in that government so he could live in that house and terrorize the world. And they're embarrassed, candidly, that we blew the whistle on them. And that's their retribution. That's why they're doing to Dr. Afridi what they're doing to Dr. Afridi, because Dr. Afridi was the one while working for their health department or equivalent, Dr. Freedy was the one that blew the whistle. But you know what? Enough about them. Enough about them. Now, money. enough about them. Now the embarrassment comes to us. We allow it to happen. We talk about freedom. We talk about democracy. We talk about patriotism. We talk about loyalty. Um, I just don't get it. Well, yeah. one of the ways I've tried to bring that message home is last week. My wife and I underwrote an advertisement in Military Times directed to all branches of service, service. Mm-hmm. Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, Air Force, and if I left anybody out, I apologize. I appreciate everything every one of you do. And basically what that ad said is it was a poll, and that poll is still up on the Free Afridi site. And it said to 
military families, what would you rather be? Would you rather be captured and tortured or rescued and freed is the message. Check one. And because the military, these are the people, the families and the retirees and the veterans that have put their lives on the line or are putting their lives on the line. And I shudder to think that if one of them gets into harm's way, that we'll do, A, what we're not doing for Dr. Afridi, B, what we didn't do in Benghazi, and C, what will be the next chapter in that. Because this country is not, as the congressman from Illinois said, is not actually keeping its commitment to move heaven and earth. And so we put that out there, and it, it was read by some 600 and some thousand people, and we've gotten thousands of responses to this thing. And the message back to the Defense Department is rescue this guy, set this guy free, do not, do not allow America to continue to be humiliated in front of the world stage because we're the suckers that are giving away billions of dollars around the globe and we're doing nothing for our own. And that's, that's I think, that's what you're seeing through this Afridi thing. Afridi in the tiny, tiniest microcosm, Benghazi kind of in a super example of it, and what's next? Or, or is anybody going to do anything and send a message to the world? No, we're going to go get Afridi out. We're going to do what's right. We're sorry about Benghazi, and it's never going to happen again. We're going to take care of our own. No, it's, you know, this is a political dilemma now and then or a moral dilemma. No one is going to help us. Ever. Or if they do, they're going to think twice. They're going to think twice. They're going to make demands. It's going to be a business deal with demands up front that'll extract whatever they can. They're not going to do it because of their heart. They're not going to do it because they care. Unless the United States kind of redeems itself and sends a message and makes something happen, starting in Pakistan, which, by the way, is the subject of an appeals hearing with what I understand to be a very, very reasonable judge on June 13th. So if enough of your listeners raise their voice, send their message through the information that we have on the website or any other means to their congressmen, their senators, America can be heard, and America might be able to make a difference on June 13th. There's been 12 times of appeal hearings over the past year, and every time they schedule something, they conveniently change the judge or move it away. But the voice and the cry from America is getting louder, and if we can get it louder and louder and louder, we might see Dr. Afridi get free on June 13th this year. Now, let's talk a little bit about maybe a sense of optimism here. Um, there's been a new leadership in Pakistan, Nawaz Sharif. Yes. He aims to, and he has stated that publicly, that he aims to improve relations with America. I hope it's not because he needs more money, but do you think um, with the Dr. Afridi's situation, do you think he could do something there? He definitely could do something. I mean, he could probably make an executive order to free this man. However, um, what I think he's really concerned about is losing money. There's a, a, a bill on the floor of the House, it's called um, Resolution 86, that condemns Pakistan for keeping Dr. Afridi as a prisoner. And then there's another initiative in the House where a group of congressional leaders have said, we don't want you to send any more money to Pakistan until certain humanitarian issues, including Dr. Afridi, get resolved. So I think this guy has to be concerned. Having said that, 
You have Secretary Kerry, who went to Brussels, who met with the Pakistani leadership, who said, we want Dr. Afridi free. Please free him. Immediately after that meeting, I received calls from my sources in Pakistan saying that the mood, the belief was that Dr. Afridi was about to be released. That was going to be on May 2nd, coincidentally, the second anniversary of the killing of Osama bin Laden. What happened was that the day before that, a whole extreme amount of Taliban terrorist attacks started showing up in the communities in the street to the point where uh, a suicide bomber actually blew himself up trying to kill the judge in the Afridi trial. I mean, this is more, worse than the wild, wild west. And the judge survived, but because there was an election coming up, they again postponed Dr. Afridi's hearing, where he could have been freed on May 2nd, and he sits and rotting in this dungeon. So hopefully, from my mouth to God's ear, or from my mouth to everybody's ear, on June 13th, if there is a big enough cry for the release of this man, maybe we can make a difference. Now, have you, uh, you know about Dr. Afridi. Does Dr. Afridi know about you? I believe Dr. Afridi knows that there's a group of people in America who have done everything that they can to get the message to the world. And I understand that as a result of what we did with the Academy Awards, Dr. Afridi actually got a change of clothes, and Dr. Afridi actually got some relief from his daily regimen of torture. Having said that, recently, I think some of the comments that have been made, or some of the more vocal comments, like some of the stuff that is running in the international media, is all the way to page six of the New York Post last week, has has kind of annoyed people in Pakistan. And I have heard that there has been attacks retribution, intimidation, and threats on anybody who's associated directly or indirectly with Dr. Afridi over the past few weeks, leading up to this June 13th date. So, but these people have told me that Dr. Afridi knows that we're working hard. Dr. Afridi knows about the campaign that my wife and I originally did. How much he knows since then, I don't know. He has not had a visitor since August 12th, 2012. It is a deplorable situation. Now, they've taken away his bank accounts and things like that. So how is his uh, family surviving? Do you know? Very, very difficult. Um, one of the things that his attorneys have communicated to us is that they desperately need money. And they need money not only for basic necessities, education, food, housing, but they need money for the incredible amount of legal fees. The legal group, the FATA legal group, which is representing Dr. Afridi, has done this entirely pro bono. And they've just spent a fortune on legal fees, and they need some help on some of these expenses. The family is in hiding. The, the, the wife, for all I know, is living in a cave somewhere or in a basement of somebody's home somewhere in the mountains of Pakistan. If they go out in public, they're stoned, abused, ostracized to the community. Family members, for example, there are cousins in California that I know of, that I have their phone numbers of, that are so scared to talk to me in Los Angeles for fear that family members in Pakistan will just be arrested, shot, tortured, detained, interrogated, and intimidated, that it's horrible. So the Afridi family has a, has a horrible situation right now, and we have to work very, very hard to get money into their hands. We have seen some success. 
with small amounts of money. And I've currently, I recently met with the district attorney in, in Los Angeles asking her to Jackie Lacey to intercede with the attorney general in the state of California to have her set up a relationship with the State Department to help us get this humanitarian aid money to the Afridi family. Because it's also very, very difficult to send money into a country that's basically being, you know, um, intimidated by the Taliban. And you want to make sure the money gets to the Afridis. Do, you know, do you know if the Pakistan embassy is involved in this? I have no idea. I do know that the Pakistan embassy was the one that blew getting the travel documents originally to Dr. Afridi for his family so that they could get out. And But for what happened at the State Department and the Pakistan embassy, Dr. Afridi would be doing this show with you, not me. And hopefully Dr. Afridi will be doing this show with you sometime in the next 30 days, 45 days. If and when he gets freed, what are you going to do? You going to bring him over? We, if if and when he gets free, there will be a very very comprehensive plan to make sure he gets to live in this country the way he deserves to be lived. One of the things that I would do is I would ask everybody listening to the show and every American to take to make sure that the ten million dollar reward that nobody got for rescuing or for killing Osama bin Laden or capturing him or identifying goes to the Afridi family. That's where it belongs. It belongs with those people. But I I I would hate to think that he'll get picked up in an airplane and released and just dropped off somewhere. One of the concerns that's been expressed to me is if Dr. Freedy were to get released, because the Pakistani government and the ISI have done such a great job of spinning fiction, that people on the street, many people, hate Dr. Freedy. And it's afraid that if they let him out, that he would just get shot, killed, kidnapped, tortured, any number of possibilities. So when he's released, it needs to be coordinated. It needs to involve the U.S. government. We need to bring him over here, and we need to uh, uh, give him his citizenship that he deserves in America and recognize him as an American hero and let him educate people on what it takes to do the right thing despite harm's way. This man knew what he was doing. He knew he was going to be captured. He knew when he said, I'm staying back because my wife can't get out, what he was signing his future to be. But he did it because he cares. Now, based on your inside knowledge, are you cautiously optimistic? I'm very optimistic, not even cautiously optimistic. But I'm one of those people that, you know, I'm the eternal optimist. Uh, I, I have two, two, two traits. One, I'm paranoid to the extent that I don't go to football games because whenever the team goes into a huddle, I think they're talking about me. But when it comes to, you know, if, if, there, were, if there were, you know, a mess underneath a, a Christmas tree, uh, which also I guess is a weird analogy being Jewish, but if there was a bunch of garbage under a Christmas tree, I would know that there was a pony in there somewhere. So I'm one of these guys that's very, very optimistic. And I would, I would submit to you that as a result of conversations I've had with family members, attorneys, and anonymous sources, Everybody on that side of the world is also very, very optimistic, particularly based on the meetings that Secretary Kerry, who really did respond to Congress subtly but in the right way, particularly on the, the rumors and innuendo that came out of those meetings. And maybe the reason his last hearing on May 2nd got canceled was because the regime that is in place today is the regime the United States wanted to deal with. 
But I would be very surprised if between the State Department, the new administration, and the pending hearings, that something positive did not come in Dr. Afridi's future. Well, what can our listeners do to help you in your mission? Well, they can go to freeafridi.com, and they can sign up for email alerts and vote in the poll, because all the information will go to the State Department and the Defense Department, not identities, of course, but the results of the poll. And what they can do is there's information on that website that they can they can support Dr. Afridi. They can send checks to the a charitable foundation, 501c3, that is setting up a separate trust account specifically to receive money for the Afridis. Everybody should know that if we can't get it to Pakistan, it'll be used for the Afridis when they come here. But we work very, very diligently, and like I said, we're now talking with the DA, the Attorney General, and hopefully soon the State Department on how to get money to the Afridis safely and security so they can at least, while they're there waiting for the ultimate result, have integrity, clothing, food, and the, the kind of things that anybody that you would want to have who, who identified where bin Laden was living, uh, that they could be treated like human beings. They could get the respect they deserve. I, I can't even think of the words because I get so outraged thinking about how abandoned these people are. Why the secretary hasn't got somebody working on at least getting these people food, clothing, and housing and protection is beyond me. I don't understand it. Well, your passion shows. I mean, no, your your passion definitely shows. Um, I mean, this takes up, must be taking up so much of your times. I mean, when you're not playing the superhero, how much time do you get for your day job? Tell us about MMR Global. Well, when I'm not playing a superhero to Dr. Afridi, I like to think I'm playing a superman to shareholders of MMRF, which is <laughs> MMR Global's symbol on the on, in the markets. Um, MMR Global, I've been blessed. I mean, I've had a number of companies in my life, and I seem to be at the right place at the right time. During the, the boom of the prepaid calling card business, I was the first one to sell prepaid calling cards into mass merchandisers, and that company ultimately got bought by AT&T for hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was been in the advertising business, and I've been blessed to, in my advertising life and my philanthropic life, be able to use that to raise hundreds of millions of dollars for charities and nonprofits. And now I'm in a business which is personal health records, where under the current climate, starting in 2014, every individual in America that goes to a doctor is supposed to be offered the right to have their medical records on a patient portal or sent to a personal health record account. And we have a company that owns patents for just about every way that you can do that, and we have a product that does it. So right place, right time. goes back to the more you put out, the more it comes back. So it's kind of like a perfect storm in my business life where I get to work on freeing Dr. Afridi, and I get then to have a platform that actually provides tools to people all over the world that reduces their medical costs and helps save their lives. So when I get up in the morning, I get to do my job towards making the world a better place, and then I get to use my spare time, which is the second eight hours in my 18 to 20-hour days, to 
make a statement in Pakistan that the world needs to hear so this man gets freed. But really, the American people need to hear, the military needs to hear, because it's, this country shouldn't have the embarrassment of leaving any hero or enlisted person or American citizen behind because of complete frustration or foreign policy or an election. We should do what's best for our people. Well, Bob, we'd love to have you back because I think you have a very interesting story to tell about your own life. But for now, thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. And um, again, freeafreedy.com, the Afridi family I know is sending all of your listeners their love, support, and prayers. And all the information anybody needs to contact me is on that website. And I'll talk to anybody who thank wants you. to help. Thank you very much. And thank love you. and prayers right back to them. Thank Later. you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the ultimate patriot, Bob Losh. Feel free to send in your comments to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Vip Jaswell Report or tweet me if you dare at Vip Jaswell on Twitter. Thank you for listening and keep your ears open for the next airing of the Vip Jaswell Report coming soon. Uh-huh.